Hello, everybody. Seismic Mike here and um, non-seismic Andy. Um, Micro-seismic? Nope. Um, <laughs> we're glad that you're with us. We are. Uh, we followed Science Mike's advice, and we have flipped our microphones upside down, and my voice still sounds nasally. Um, <laughs> I, I don't. I still don't like it. I need. So is it, it is the science wrong or is the applied science wrong? You know, uh, after last week, I have no idea. Um, but we are we're grateful to to uh, to be a part of your life wherever you are. And if you're working out, I hope I get some credit for that. If you're studying, I hope we get smarter a little bit. If you are driving, be careful, be careful. Don't do California stops and check both ways even after the light turns green because people are crazy. Yeah. Um, uh, so, so just a couple of things, a couple of updates. Uh, many of you have asked, not really, but many of you have asked, uh, has my wife gotten over Bieber? And the answer is yes, but she's out listening to Justin Timberlake. Um, and you know, I don't know that that's an upgrade. I, I personally, I find the whole thing that my wife is doing right now disturbing. She doesn't listen to this, so she doesn't have to know. And none of you are going to tell her, please that her music choices are, are awful, um, that, they are, that they bring a black cloud kind of over our house. And it wouldn't shock me that it, our children are sick uh, because she listens to so much cruddy music. So um, <laughs> I'm going to try to combat that. Uh, but um, that's what's going on in the Erie household. We are, we are coming to you live from the world headquarters in Brea, California. Speaking of cruddy music, I mean, I've got a pretty serious gripe. Oh boy. Okay. <laughs> I have a, Hold on a second. I, I Hold on a, a second. Hold I have a new a worship song. Your Kim X didn't work nope. today. <laughs> your skinny jeans didn't fit. I'm trying to think of things that that would your man bun, your hair wasn't long enough for a man bun. What is it? What's the serious I've, gripe, Andy? I have a, a new worship song uh that I'd like to to sing for you that um and I'd, I'd like to get your thoughts what? on it's on maybe the depth of its theology. Oh my goodness. Is this real? Yeah, this is Is that where you were just checking on your this phone is real. before we started? This is real. Okay. All right. Are you ready? Here oh boy. Holy, 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 holy. I'm high on loving you. High on loving you. Is that what the holy means? Yes. High, high on loving high you. High on loving you. And that's a Christian song. Um, well, or, or maybe it's a country song <laughs> by this awful by tweakers. <laughs> so Florida Georgia line, that's a, that's a, that's band. their new hit high on loving you and either they're genius or and the worst band ever, which was the same acclaim for bands like Nickelback and Creed. No. Well, there was, how can they be? No, because well, for one, they're clearly the Christian because they turned something into an acronym and then so made it applicable holy means high on loving you. That's right. I love it. That's right. Okay, that is um, that is horrific, and <laughs> I, that is a great tie into bad music. So thank you for There's that. There's not much things I bring attention to that I heavily dislike, <laughs> and that I don't know what is above that on my list right now. Uh, in terms of bad things. In terms of bad bad things. Yep. So so on, on, on terms of good things, your lists in your list includes IPAs, Chemex, hockey kind of a quirky clothes, some sort of hair thing that you do with crazy hairstyles, um, like 1990s era camo pants. Yeah. Okay, so that's on your list of good. That's right. All right, now that 
for a lot of people, that's the bad list. I just <laughs> I just want to point that out. All right, that's the bad I'm, list. I consider myself a reconciliationist. Okay, and so I I do my best to redeem what has been typically <laughs> demonized by culture into something incredible. Oh, but I'm, that song I cannot redeem. I'm high on loving you. <laughs> oh my goodness, that is that. Yet again, and I and I get into trouble for bashing, you know, the the church so much. But man, there are just some things that are ridiculous. <laughs> I'm high on loving you. All right, we're gonna. Speaking of that, we're gonna talk about spiritual abuse. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> which that, which that. <laughs> fittingly, oh, oh my goodness, the missus is calling again. Hold on, I kid you not, we don't plan this. Hello, Jesse, we're recording a podcast. Uh, okay, bye. No, baby, hold, don't go anywhere. <laughs> Hey, so what's one thing you love about being married to me? That you're funny. Okay. And you're uh, cute. And, and do you think I look better clothed or naked? Wow. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, I love you. I love you. All right. Bye. Andy, what do you think? Do you think I look better clothed or naked? You've seen both. Um, you know, without having seen it truly <laughs> i'm going to go with the most natural state because that's how god created you yep uh, it looks a lot like baymax from big hero <laughs> six but all right <laughs> spiritual abuse so so i don't is this number four i think this would be the fourth okay so so before we were so rudely interrupted two podcasts ago by my children who have no boundaries evidently when they walk into the home office after school um uh, we were talking about, so, so if you're not a Jesus follower, if you're not a fan of Christianity or church, um, you're, you're kind of, I hope that you, you pick up on some of the stuff that Jesus, Jesus would hate some of the stuff that you hate. And so, so Jesus is leveling a series of critiques against the religious, some of the religious practices, attitudes, of a group called the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And, uh, and the thing that's so staggering is that they were considered uh, some of the most righteous, some of the most religiously zealous uh, Jews of his day. And the parallels we want to draw when we talk about spiritual abuse is that there is a, a form of practice, uh, a form and a practice and a set of believings uh, uh, in, of Jesus following that actually um, isn't truly Jesus following. And I also think it's conducive to spiritually coercive and manipulative environments. And so, so I want to go through this list that uh, Luke records for us of Jesus's critiques, because I think they're pretty consistent across all time and space um, and religious communities, because, I mean, so, so the first thing he does is he talks about hypocrisy. And if you remember, he's, he's talking about a cup and a dish, and he's making a distinction between the inside of it and the outside of it. And he's critiquing the Pharisees because they focus on the outside, the, the religious conformity in terms of their behavior on just an external basis. And they ignore the inside. He says, you worry about cleaning the outside, but your inside, you're full of greed and you're full of wickedness. And, and one of the things that Jesus does is it's devastating against the Pharisee and religious program because he he in a different uh, section of the Gospels, he he moves from, hey, you've heard it said, God's desire for you is just not to commit murder. But I'm telling you, it's anger. That's where murder starts. That's the part God wants to deal with. 
You think you're, you're um, sexually pure because you don't commit adultery, but I'm telling you it's the issue of lust that's in your heart that's the problem. Um, you think you're okay because you keep your oaths, uh, but you don't keep make oaths according to God, but you make oaths according to Jerusalem or the temple or whatever. And I'm telling you it's the fact that you have to add like verbal weight to your integrity that's the issue. Just let your yes be yes and your no be no. So what Jesus, the whole Jesus thing is moving away from external performance into the, the renewal of the heart. And, and in, in Jewish terms, the heart, of course, is the seat of emotions. It's the center of being. It's the seat of will uh, and decision making. And so, so the renewal of the heart in, in Jesus's um, teaching is the goal of Jesus' followership. It's not external conformity to rules. Now, a renewed heart will manifest itself manifest itself outwardly. It can't help but do that. But if the emphasis is only on the outside, and, and, and it still is so true in, in so many corners of Christendom, where what, what you're seen doing, what you're seen saying, what you're um, you know, you can't be messy in a church gathering because you'll be judged. You can't be honest about doubts because you'll be judged. I mean, that whole thing just needs to be trashed. And Jesus, Jesus takes special emphasis to warn his disciples against this, this idea of hypocrisy, that there is an internal, an internal uh, reality that does not match the external reality we're putting on display. So, so if you're not a Jesus follower and you hate the hypocrisy of Christians, Jesus hates it too. And so that's, that was, this is hopefully review. The second thing he says, now these, he's, he's using a, a, a judgment oracle form called a woe, not W-O, no, 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 not, not, not W-O-A-H. W-O-A-H. <laughs> that's how I was going to spell it. W-H-O-A. He's not saying, whoa, like Bill and Ted. He's saying, whoa, W-O-E, baby. It is a warning of impending judgment or calamity. And so he says, so the first critique was you worry about the outside, but inside you're full of greed and wickedness. The second one goes along with it. He says, woe to you Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your spices. And he uses mint, rue, and all other kinds of garden herbs as an example. But you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter, the, the justice and love of God, without leaving the former, the tithing of spices, undone. Now, this is genius because what Jesus is saying is that, that when you focus on outside and the external behavior, um, it, it's very easy then to neglect inward realities, right? That's the whole hypocrisy point. Mm. So, so he, he critiques them on their, their absolutely crazy focus. So in the, old, in the Old Testament, the people of God were to give a tenth of the, the growth of their land, the produce of their land, to the temple and to the Levites, to the priests, to support the whole temple system. This, it never said you had to tithe your spices, and so, but they did it because they were so, hey, they're grown out of the earth, baby. We're going to tie these two. Absolutely. <laughs> and Jesus goes, oh my goodness. So you're focused on that, but you neglect justice and the love of God. Um, and it's interesting. Jesus says, well, you should do, you should do both then. I mean, the, the external, okay, that's fine. But 
you, to the neglect of justice and the love of God. I mean, th those are like two of the biggest themes of the entire Bible right there. That love of God and love of neighbor, mercy, justice, compassion, are that's the whole law. You want to boil down what God wants um, in terms of a response and how he wants to shape us and form us. He wants us to love God and love people. End of story. End of story. And so when he says you've neglected love of God and justice, you've pretty much failed at keeping everything. That's the idea. Yeah. You're great at tithing your spices, <laughs> but you've missed the bigger point. And so, so, so Jesus moves from hypocrisy to the issue of majoring on the minors and missing the major issues. So justice and love of God are major issues in the scriptures. They instead focus on a minor issue, which is tithing your garden herbs. Right. And so, so the, the quick way to say this is by majoring on the minors. They focus on peripheral things rather than on the core most important thing. Right, which Jesus always identifies as the heart attitude. So it goes with number one, when when you are full of hypocrisy, you're focusing on the external and neglecting the internal, and that manifests itself in really some bizarre, crazy um, um, rules. And and so so for instance, we talked several weeks ago about, um, uh, and I, I think it was I think it was in this um, spiritual abuse series, but it was the, the idea of fences versus wells. Mm -hmm. Right, that 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 very often we're boundary focused and not center focused, and um, and so <laughs> in Jesus's day there were all of these boundaries that were uh, in place to identify who were the properly religious Jews and who were not. All right, mm -hmm. and and Jesus, man, Jesus gets into so much trouble. It's just beautiful. So um, and and it's ironic, don't you think? <laughs> that the main opposition to Jesus came from the religious people. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just think that that point can never be made enough. So, so Jesus would heal on the Sabbath. And this, in, if you're familiar with the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he gets into trouble all the time about this. The Sabbath was the idea that on the seventh day, the people of God would rest in honor of God's resting from the work of creation. And that this would be a day to build up their trust that God will provide, that they don't have to work seven days. It's an expression of their liberation. They weren't enslaved mm -hmm. and forced to work. Mm -hmm. So it was really a deep sort of practice. And the punishment for working on the Sabbath was death in the Old Testament. So what's it mean to work on the Sabbath became the question. So the ever helpful rabbis, by Jesus's day, had outlined 39 different categories of what working on the Sabbath meant. And these were tied to the building of the temple. And, and you just had some, you, you had some of the just zaniest, you could carry ink uh, for one Hebrew letter uh, to write one Hebrew letter. But if you carried enough ink to write two Hebrew letters, that was carrying a burden, which was considered work on the Sabbath. Same with the amount of milk you could swallow. One swallow was not a burden. Two swallows was a burden. I mean, crazy, crazy stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's hard for me to do. I think it's a burden. Yeah. Two uh, swallows of milk. Oh, my Come goodness. On. Now, anyway, Jesus, one of the rules that came up was... Um, was healing and and the the practice in Jesus's day the rule in Jesus's day was that you could heal somebody uh on the sabbath only if their life was in danger if their life was not in danger 
uh, they could wait. <laughs> so, so Jesus, I mean, Jesus heals a man with a shriveled hand on the Sabbath. He heals a man with dropsy on the Sabbath. He heals a woman who has, uh, who was bent over and had some sort of disease on the Sabbath. And every time he gets in trouble by the religious leaders who insisted that their rule keeping trumped mercy or compassion that they could have healed, Jesus could have healed on another day. In the, in the book of John, there's this incredible thing where Jesus heals some guy that's been paralyzed for 38 years. And then the religious leaders get mad because Jesus told the guy who was now walking to carry his mat that he'd been laying on for 38 years to pick up his mat and walk. Well, that was considered a burden, uh, according to the Pharisees, and a violation of the Sabbath law. So how empty can religion get when instead of celebrating, hey, here's the unmistakable work of God and sending a guy free who's been... Um, paralyzed for 38 years. We're going we're gonna to bust him, though, for carrying his mat on the Sabbath. I mean, it's absolutely insane. When Jesus was crucified, okay, they crucified him in, in a way to make sure they honored the Sabbath laws and the festival laws, the Passover rules. And so even though they were crucifying an, an innocent man, they made sure they honored their Sabbath and Passover traditions. I mean, it's, it's crazy. And at last... Two podcasts ago, I told the story of someone who was close to me, who was full of racism and greed and pride and adultery and got mad at me for playing cards um, in, in the, the, the basement of a church. And, and, you know, I remember I was a youth pastor years and years and years ago, and we had a guy teaching Sunday school who taught that wearing Oshkosh Bagosh jeans was wrong. I don't even know if they make them anymore. I don't, you know, it was they like do. they do. Yeah. They the Osh Kosh Bagosh jeans, wearing them was wrong because Gosh was a shortened, like uh, softened version of God. And so he was literally teaching in junior high, um, in our junior high group, that wearing Osh Kosh Bagosh uh, pants was wrong. I mean, you talk about majoring on minor issues, right? I mean, that's that ignoring adultery, racism, greed, and pride, but I'm going to focus on playing cards, right? Um, ignoring that we're crucifying the Messiah uh, of the world, and but we're going to make sure it's done before Sabbath, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, before the Sabbath starts, right? You have, like, even in the 50s, you have um, this incredible racism in the church, but you couldn't dance. I mean, it, it just goes, it, there were even people in the church, in the American church, who'd visited Hitler, in Germany in the 1930s, who'd come back saying Germany was phenomenal because Hitler would outlaw pornography, was working to outlaw prostitution, he was considered a very moral person. <laughs> I mean, you just go, come on, man. Yeah. And does that has that ended, Andy? Andy, has our focus on really dumb peripheral things ended? Absolutely not. No, give me some examples of dumb things. Go. Oh, I can't support this church because of the type of music that you play. Oh, good Lord. Now, let me, let me, that is, and I've been a part of this, the, the so-called worship wars where the, the debates between the hymns and choirs and orchestras versus guitars and drums, there is so much uh, animosity, hatred, meanness, surrounding the type of arguing over the type of music we're going to use to mm -hmm. worship God. Mm -hmm. And and what it's interesting now because 
so much of the desired rule set is based on preference, not based on some type of religious order coming no. from some backing. It's no. totally based on, well, that's what I like. And I give to this church. And so therefore my voice is valid and you should right. respect that. We would have people who would stop, stop supporting the church because they didn't like the music style and they would try to dress it up in religious language. It's my heart language. And it's the, 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 the hymns are more theological. I mean, it's just a load mm-hmm. of garbage and, and it is a majoring on the minor. Yeah. Right. And I, the, and, and I regress. I mean, I, I had like I feel I have my own critical opinion of even the the current state of contemporary modern worship music as well, but it's no. Let me be clear. That's not the issue. Let me be clear. Let me really be clear. If if we got the kind of worship music that I want, it would sound like Pearl Jam. Okay, <laughs> that's it. Would be a grunge mosh pit like an hour. It'd be awesome and depressing and. And I'd wear flannel, and I'd break out my big old uh, construction boots I used to wear with my wool socks. You should just wear that anyway. Come on, man. <laughs> That's worship music, right? <laughs> but, but yeah, anytime you elevate preference or mm-hmm. form. now, And people do this on the other side, too. Yeah. You know, the, the hymns are dumb. They're irrelevant. They're, you know, old-fashioned. I mean, whatever. And, and, and there is this sense that you, you know you're a consumer-driven unpersecuted ridiculously shallow mob when this that's the main issue yeah it's not doctrine it's not it's it's nothing of substance than that i mean it really is it really is silly and and you see this even in all the sexual conversations that are going on so many evangelical searches churches are focused purely on sexual issues Mm. but we don't talk about greed and the consumption and spending 98 percent on average of our income on ourselves we don't talk about the obesity epidemic of which i am a part we don't talk about the racism that still exists in the church and Mm. throughout our culture we don't talk about the lust uh, issues that we have, the pride issues, the celebrity pastorism in the church, you know, all of that stuff gets conveniently ignored. But man, if it's two guys holding hands in church, whoa, yeah. that's a whole different Shut ball it game. Down. So, so, and, and, and listen, it's all, it, all of us are guilty of this to one degree or another. All of yeah. these things, I mean, it's easy to say, yeah, yeah, the church, the church, the church, the church. Um, but I, I look at me and go, my goodness, there have been seasons in my life, um, where I get, I get so hung up on a dumb peripheral issue. And, uh, and, and don't you see that happen there? There's a kind of Christianity, um, or a kind of Christian, which is probably better said where my one thing should be everybody's one thing. Have you ever come across people like that? It's like, it's like the justice advocate who says everybody should be a justice advocate or like the Bible teacher like me who thinks, well, everybody should know the Bible like I do. Yeah. Or, or the, um, the evangelist who says, well, everyone should be sharing their faith just like I am. Yeah. Right. There's this, there's this, there's this weird thing that happens when, because we're not able to keep the center at the center. And so we start drifting, particularly when we've been focusing on external things things that you can measure in ourselves and other people, right? Because love of God, that's a tough thing to measure. Yeah. And so it's easy just to look on the outside and say, well, is this person going to church and serving at church and giving to church? And they make it a church focus. But you could be doing all of that and have zero love of God. That's the issue. Yeah. So you could be doing all the rules 
and not fulfilling what it is that God most deeply desires, right? Mm-hmm. Which is an actual give and take love sort of covenant relationship. So, so you know, we see this, and I see this in me. I, you know, I, I used to be totally hung up on certain issues of, of uh, doctrine where, you know, I was elevating a secondary issue to, man, this is absolutely critical. This, we got to go to the wall on this. And you realize, no, the older I get and the more I study and the more I get to know Jesus, the more I realize the things I'm sure about, that list becomes smaller and smaller, but my confidence in that list grows bigger and bigger. Mm. You know what I mean? So the okay. list of battles I'm really interested in fighting are just super small. Um, but we want to talk about how do you recognize religiously abusive environments? How do you recognize uh, religion that masquerades as Jesus following? Mm. And and so you said, well, there's an emphasis on, there's an overemphasis on externals. Now, there should be an emphasis on externals. Yes, Jesus is always talking about, yes, you'll know people by the fruit of their life. Totally. But very often in manipulative and coercive environments, that will be almost the entire focus. And one of the ways that happens is you begin raising up boundary markers and litmus tests that aren't central things. So what's your belief about evolution and creation? What's, do you take Genesis 1 literally? Do you believe Noah and the ark was a global flood or a local flood? Do you think it was six days or billions of years? Do you think all spiritual gifts are for today or not for today? What do you think of women? Can they serve? Can they not serve? It's very easy to allow all those issues, which really are intramural debates, to rise to the level of litmus tests and boundary markers. Mm -hmm. And so the Pharisees would judge people based on their not tithing their herbs, or in Jesus's case, his not washing his hands, and they'd miss the whole thing. They'd miss the forest for the trees. And so, so um, one of the things that, that if, you, if you really want to look at the kind of leadership you're following, because we all follow someone, in a specifically Christian sense, where's the emphasis? Is the emphasis on the, is, is the emphasis on the heart or is the emphasis on behavior? Is the emphasis on the gospel or is the emphasis on, on moralism? Is the emphasis on um, conforming external behaviors or is the emphasis in um, discerning and discovering and testing for yourself? Is, is uh, feedback encouraged or is dissent silenced? I mean, it, it, these are all just ways in which you begin to say, okay, there are religiously abusive environments. There are religiously abusive people. And so um, you, you have one of the symptoms of this is the focus is the majoring on minor issues. Cause some would say, Hey Mike, you know, the whole worship thing, that really is important. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's funny when I read the text, the, the God spends more time talking about the worship he hates mm-hmm. than he talks about the worship he likes. And the number one, number one over so huge, the number one indicator of true worship is justice. Do you take care of the poor? Do you fight for justice? That's worship. Mm-hmm. And any ritual performance divorced from worship is condemned in the Old Testament. Jesus will even say, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Yeah. So who gives a rat's behind, right? What form we use. I mean, that's that that's so far from the point. And so um, now... Are you with me, Andy? Am I making sense? Yeah. yeah Is somebody yeah. preaching right now? Yeah, you're pre- you're preaching, all right. 
What's that mean? That's you're a, preaching all right could be preaching. taken in like two different ways. It could be like, like well, what? yeah, you're preaching all right, meaning you shouldn't be, so shut your trap. Well, if I if it was sarcasm, sure, but it's not. Or, or, or it could be you're preaching all right, which is uh, yeah, how good or bad it is. Average preaching. Yeah, it's like C minus. I think it's better than that. Okay. I think it's better than that. Yeah, and I think so I'm too. not sure. It, I'm not sure a man who has the good list that you have that includes IPAs and Chemex and all those things mm-hmm. would be a good judge of whether or not it's a good sermon. I'm I think, not, well, I think I'm that not those sure. efforts are justice. So <laughs> I'm feeling pretty good about him as a matter of fact. Now, one of the consequences of the first two, all right, hypocrisy, which is the focus on externals and the neglect of the internal and the focus on minor issues rather than on major issues the 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 way this could begin to play out is the death of mercy and so you you see this in Jesus's ministry where the pharisees would rather keep the sabbath rule and watch somebody suffer than see that suffering person alleviated and healed and break the sabbath rule they would rather see Jesus crucified um than to break in a way that honors their passover rules and their Sabbath ordinances rather than really have, have having done the hard work to determine he was actually authenticated from the father. Right. So, so there it's the death of mercy. It's, it's in John chapter eight, the, the Jesus is teaching at the temple and some men bring uh, a woman and the text says she was caught in the very act of adultery. All right. So think about that, not on the way to it, not coming home from it in the act. Yep. And it's fascinating that they only bring the woman. Yeah. Right? Because the man was equally as guilty. And so you kind of think, oh, this this was a setup, probably. So the religious leaders bring her to Jesus, of course, very famously. And Jesus begins scribbling on the ground. And, and that scribbling, there's a verse in Jeremiah that talks about how the, the the wicked in Jerusalem will have their sins written in the dust. So I think what Jesus was doing there, because he says, well, whoever is without sin, go ahead and, and let's put her to death. And, and yeah, he begins, first stone. but he begins to write. And so I'm thinking he's just writing sins, the sins of Jerusalem on the, on the ground. Uh, and, and so they all leave the oldest, it says to the youngest, right? The oldest who are more aware of their sin to the youngest then Jesus says, Oh, Oh, no one condemns you. Neither do I go and leave your life of sin. That, that is where, and G, so another example, um, uh, Jesus is eating with tax collectors. Um, he's in Levi's home. They're criticizing him because he's, he's eating with sinners and tax collectors. And Jesus says, um, I've come, I've not come to heal the the healthy but to heal the sick he said but then he says this and it's genius he says it twice in matthew he says go and learn the meaning of this phrase i desire mercy not sacrifice it's from hosea 6 6 and the idea is if you're ever if you're ever in a in a um uh, if you're ever conflicted between uh keeping a rule showing mercy and compassion Jesus seems to be saying, abandon your rich, your, your, you know, your regulations and show mercy. Like situations where it's like, well, this is for the greater good. So someone's got to, you know, pay for it. 
some circum. What do you mean? Like, kind of, you know, you have some circumstances where it's like, well, I can't go and chase and and help everybody, you know. So it's like I kind of have to, I guess, like collateral damage, so to speak, you know. Because I, I mean, I'm trying to just thinking about what's the justification for the Pharisees to say like, well, no matter what, we keep the Sabbath based on based on these rules because there's this depth of belief that that, in a way, must mean some kind of like large hierarchical justice well yes so it's yeah, worth yeah, yeah. sacrificing yeah, those absolutely. aside from showing mercy yes. compassion. listen right listen 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 that's that's a, that brings up a huge point i had no idea where you were going until maybe the last two sentences and then it was beautiful oh andy andy you rarely call me beautiful by the way uh, you are beautiful man <laughs> god made you god loves you and I'm high on loving you, buddy. Thank I'm you. High on loving you. And it was good holy. to hear you sing a little bit. I'm just not gonna lie. That was good. <laughs> so, um, so the the Pharisees were perfectly justified in their reading of the Old Testament because there was an argument about how do you rank? How do you rank the commandments? There were 613. Okay, and they're given. In, all, in, in a crazy order. So the first commandment of the Torah is be fruitful and multiply, right? So the first commandment in the Bible is literally have sex. And and then you have the Ten Commandments. And you've got commandments regarding the priests and the Levites and commandments regarding dietary laws and festivals and, and Sabbath keeping. And so you have 613 of these. And, um, and the debate was between how do you rank them? And, um, and the reason you would rank them is because sometimes they'd conflict with each other. Like someone's life is in danger, but I'm not supposed to work on the Sabbath. So which do I honor? Right. So you would rank them and different schools of thought had different rankings. The two, the, both the two major rabbinical schools, Shammai and Hillel, uh, of Jesus's day agreed on the first commandment, the most important commandment, which was to love God. They disagreed over number two. One school said, you are to be holy as I am holy. And holy to them meant righteous and separate. Okay? Yep. The other school said, nope, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, where, where does Jesus fall on this debate? Well, multiple times Jesus gets asked, how do you rank the commandments? And, and a, t, a, a scribe later in, um, in Matthew and in Luke says, well, I, 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 the two greatest commandments are, you know, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus goes, yep, you're close to the kingdom. That's right. Th that's how you rank them. For the Pharisees, the more important command was to be holy, which is to be separate. And so to guard yourself from being ritually polluted. That, but they'd taken that so far majoring on the minors that they would now, they'd taken it to the point where they showed no mercy. Mm. They showed no mercy. So we'd rather watch a woman suffer on the Sabbath than to break the Sabbath command, right? Yeah, yeah. What Jesus does is he takes, he shows clearly God's heart, which is loving God. And the way you love God is you love your neighbor as yourself. And so Jesus will look at his opponents on the Sabbath and say, well, if, you're, if your donkey or your ox is in a pit, won't you pull it out on the Sabbath? How in the freaking world will you show mercy to your donkey and ox and yet object to my setting this woman free by healing her? I mean, yeah. it's absolutely ridiculous. So one of the central one of the central ways you can recognize a, a religiously abusive person or situation is the death of mercy. Mm -hmm. There's no permission to be in process. There's no permission to be imperfect. There's no permission to be working it out slowly. It's, 
It is, here's the boundary markers and you're either with us or you're against us. And those boundary markers can be behavioral today, right? Yeah. Or they can be doctrinal. Yeah. So so certain, there are some really rigid um, theological systems that are out there that unless you're lining up point by point, you know, you're not a part of the, the tribe. And so, so what begins to happen? So th- to the Pharisee's mind, the reason God uh, was um, not blessing Israel and the Romans were taking Israel over was because they, the country hadn't honored be holy as I'm holy. Mm-hmm. And so for them, being holy was a religious duty. And it was also, an, it was also a way that they guaranteed their national security. God will fight for us if we're holy. Hmm. So when Jesus comes and instead in Luke, oh, and he does this so brilliantly in Luke, where he says he replaces the be holy as I'm holy with um, be merciful just as the father is merciful. He has this huge um, this sermon in Luke chapter six about what it means to love unlike the world loves. And he's talking about um, loving those who can't love you back, breaking the norms of reciprocity in ancient Near Eastern culture, um, loving your enemies. Um, You know, he's like, even tax collectors love the people who love them. I mean, what's that? You love your enemies. And then he says, and then he says, he says, so be merciful just as your father is merciful. So the death of mercy is one of the surest signs that you're, you're majoring on the minors and um, you're in an environment where hypocrisy is rewarded, where it doesn't matter what's really going on in your heart, as long as your as long as your professed believings line up, and your outward behavior lines up with whatever list these people have come up with, well, then you're okay. Then you're part of the tribe. Mm-hmm. This Jesus wars against. I mean, every opportunity. Yeah. Right. Read for those of you who don't believe me, just read the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and see how many times Jesus gets in trouble for showing mercy. Now, he doesn't always call it mercy, but he heals a leper. He heals a centurion. He's eating with tax collectors. He's healing on the Sabbath. He's forgiving sins apart from the temple. I mean, all the, the whole thing was mercy, even when he would show mercy to the religious leaders. By eating with them, by engaging with them, by even rebuking them harshly, that was mercy. All right, how much time we got, buddy? Um, I'm on fire. Yeah, you're going. I'm freaking on fire. Yeah, we got another 15. You're preaching all right. You're preaching all right. Mm. 15 minutes. All right, one more. Oh, Jesus is just getting... This is good. He's just getting started. This is good. Now, this one's going to get me in trouble because... Now, I'm, you know, I'm the biggest sinner in the room. I'm guilty of all of these. All right, that's granted. Please understand that one of the one of the things that is the great danger of my heart is to want uh, uh, is to um, is to in being a public figure at least in, in a semi kind of known way in Southern California um, to want to just show the best off right just show the best it's like it's like social media for your whole life you just show the best you show the brightest you you don't talk about your own struggles and one of the ways i'm i'm trying to guard against that tendency in my heart is by being honest about food about porn about pride about whatever um about judging my wife's music choices which in these cases the judgments are accurate and protective of the family well, that's the most cardinal out of all of those <laughs> false <laughs> 
All right, so Jesus goes from, from hypocrisy to majoring on the minors to the deadliest of all religious sins. The, the one thing that disqualifies you from the movement of Jesus, and that is prideful self-righteousness. Hmm. That's it, man. That is the one thing that if you're convinced you don't need him, you're convinced that you're good enough, you're convinced you're punching through the lists is what he's looking for. Man, we are so in danger when we're in that space. So is this wrapped up in rejection of the Holy Spirit? Oh, don't get, we're not going there. Don't, don't. All right. Don't do it. It's wrapped up in the verse I'm going to read from Luke 11 that says nothing about the Holy Spirit, boy. All right. Uh, The next one, woe to you Pharisees, because you love the most important seats in the synagogues and respectful greetings in the marketplaces. Oh, now Jesus, there's a parallel passage in Matthew where Jesus really gets after the Pharisees because there were all of these external things like phylacteries um, and and, uh, little boxes of the Bible uh, that you would have and tassels and, and, um, and they would always... Uh, some of the Pharisees would always have extra long tassels or they, they would pray in public these big, long prayers. So to be seen by other people, or they'd give big gifts in the temple and, and you know, the, the, it would be announced, you know, to the assembled throng or whatever. And so Jesus, he just cannot stand the, this idea. Now that, so, so, um, because you love the most important seats in the synagogues and respectful greetings in the marketplaces, the issue isn't whether or not you sit in the important seat or whether or not you're greeted respectfully. It's the fact that the whole show was done to get that. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yeah. Like, like it's okay that there is, um, uh, that there are certain teachers that really help me in, in, in my kind of journey with Jesus. And those are people that if I were to meet them in person, I'd feel a little, I'd feel some butterflies and I'd, you know, I'd consider meeting them kind of a great honor. That's not the issue. The issue is when people do the minoring, uh, the minors, they, they major on the minors and minor on the majors, and they focus on the external thing and they do it so that they'll be loved. So that they'll get the most important seats. That's the issue. It's not whether or not you have the seat. It's it's that are you doing what you're doing in order to get it and in order to be loved as a part of it and respected as a part of it. Does that make sense? So so the no yes no no you're you're just going quick. So I'm just mm. I'm processing. Okay, it's the difference between I've acquired the seat or versus I am doing the stuff that deserves an acquired seat. No, it, it's um. It's, uh, so, so when I am, um, when I'm engaging in hypocrisy, when I'm focused on just presenting the positive and I'm doing that to feed off the sheep rather than to feed them, to get life and worth and meaning for myself, to feel better than, or more special than, right? I mean, the like, affirmation that returns justifies the effort I did in the first place right. so that I feel good about myself right. while ignoring that's what right. I truly am. So abusive leaders, right? Uh, abusive manipulators tend to place uh, a lot of stress on their position and their authority. And they don't, they don't earn respect. They actually demand it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And we've got some really high profile examples of that. Jesus... And it's so funny, Jesus rebukes the Pharisees for seeking the honored seats. 
He says, you should actually, if you really want to be part of the kingdom, go take the worst seat. And if someone wants to invite you into the best seat, great, you didn't chase it. But if somebody, if you're just going to presume to be there, that's the problem. And we're talking about a banquet scenario where the certain seats mattered, right? How, yes, how close seat, you were to the head of the table? Yes. Okay. As close you were to the host. Okay. So it was a U shape. And it kind of in the, the long part of the U, there would be the host. And to the right or to the left of the host, typically to the right would be the, the seat of greatest honor. But yes, it totally mattered. Great clarification. Okay. So, so in contrast, what Jesus did is Jesus de-emphasized the pedestal making factories that Christian hearts have. Right? Because... Um, whether it's uh, Rick Warren or it's Stephen Furtick or it's Rob Bell or it's N.T. Wright or it's uh, whoever, there there is in the Christian church, there's still this celebrity sort of thing. And, I, and I'm a part of that. I mean, I, I'm a huge fan of some of those people. And again, meeting them, I would get butterflies and I'd want to thank them for the significant, the, the way that God has used them in my life. So that's not the problem. The problem is when we're engaging in all of this hypocrisy, and we may we may not even recognize it is hypocrisy. Often we're deluded in thinking it's not. We do it in order to be loved. We do it. It's not. It, Jesus never never says, "Listen, don't pray in public." He says, "Don't pray in public in order to be noticed." Yeah. You know what I mean? It's why you're praying in public that's the issue. If you're praying in public to get noticed about how great a prayer you are, well, then Jesus says you've got your reward. People will think you're a great prayer. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. God's up there going, okay, that's yeah. if that's what you wanted, that's what you got. Mm -hmm. He says, instead, go at someplace secret where you won't be tempted to play act. And there do your praying. See, the issue isn't praying in public. The issue is praying in public in a way to be impressive. Right. Or like what you just said, the... The way to reconcile the desire to pray in public to be noticed rather than saying it's saying in order to reconcile that go by yourself and pray right and through that process you learn to kind of dissolve that desire so then it doesn't become hypocrisy yes okay and so so yes there have to be places now so so uh the stage is deadly so so i've i've spoken at rock harbor in front of thousands of people uh mariners Evie Free, and uh, and the stage, um, you become defined by it. Your whole week is kind of uh, arranged around it, around it. How good it was, how much feedback you got, and it's so man, it's so freaking tempting um, to project an image of yourself that is not true. And one of the greatest mm. reasons there's the pastor's kid phenomenon is because the kids pick up on the difference between mom and dad on stage versus mom and dad at home yeah as they really are or hey kids you've got to behave and be perfect so that i don't look bad yeah come on that's death see that's what jesus is condemning and he's also condemning the fact that for many of us who are quote in full-time ministry and by the way if you're a Jesus follower, if you're um, if you're a student, you're in full time ministry. If you're a um, a, a hockey player, you're in full time ministry. <laughs> if you brew beer, you're in full time ministry. If you're an architect, oh my goodness, Andy's having a coffin fit over <laughs> I was there. So moved. Um, he was so moved. I didn't say if you're a hockey fan. I just said oh, if you're a hockey player. Okay. 
Um, uh, if you're a if you're a stay at home dad, you're in full time ministry. Uh, if you're a doctor, you're in full time ministry. So so what Christian clergy have done has to create for themselves a self promoting distinction between clergy and everybody else, between those of us who are doing the work and volunteers, mm-hmm. between clergy and lady. All of that is bogus. It's not in the Bible. It is absolute crap. And it's designed because clergy thinks somehow they get exceptions. So, um, hey, I'm giving so much, you know, to the church that I, I, I should have this liberty. Or, you know, the church, it couldn't run without me, so I should take this privilege. I mean, the thing is ridiculous. And there are some churches, and it would be beautiful, and I so desire to want to name names, but it would be a reflection of my judgmental heart more than anything else, where there seems to be this this worship or, or adulation given to kind of the senior um, focal person, the person on stage that just isn't healthy. Oh, it just crisis. isn't godly. It's a crisis. And, and, but, but Hey, you get lots of followers that way, you know, and, and no one gets lots of followers by being depressed. No one gets lots of followers by screwing up. No one gets lots of followers um, by being weak and needy, you know, no one does. So we're just always going to promote strength. We're always going to promote polish. If you're listening to me and all you ever see in a church community is how beautiful and gorgeous and awesome and exciting it is, flee, flee. Cause it's not real. And it's not true. The world does not freaking need more awesome music and more incredible teaching. What the church, what the what the church needs more than anything is an encounter with the risen Christ. That's what the church needs. And then, and only then, will we have something deeply to say. I'm so tired of all of this. Hey, here's some tips to be better husbands and wives. Here's some tips to raise better kids. That stuff is crap. All right. You can get that anywhere. What's the one thing the church has to offer? The one thing the church has to offer is its witness to the fact that Jesus is actually risen from the dead and is still doing stuff today. That's what it has to offer. It should not be offering polish and strength. It should not be offering all oh, its next awesome this and awesome that. And I, and I praise God for our, our millennials who are so sick of that overly polished stuff. Mm-hmm. They're fleeing mm-hmm. in, in, in terror. How about that for a rant? No, Andy? that's a rant. And let me present a, an additional juxtaposition of like the celebrity pastor to me is like a fool's and cheap celebrity because Whoa. ironically to the statement you made, I would argue that the more honest, the more depressed and all of that, you would have more followers. Why look at the music industry. Some of the most influential <laughs> artists that have been out there and unfortunately have lost their lives to it have gotten so much attention because what they put into their music, into their lyrics, reaches people on a real level. Right. Because there's more people dealing with that than walking around saying, I got it all figured out and this is how I can live my life. I walk in a perfect way and I'm sustainable that way. The majority of the world out there is hurting and like identifying with anxiety, identifying with depression, identifying with difficulty. And at the bottom line, I think the most popular musicians you've ever known are honest about that. And it comes through in their music and their lyrics. I would dare any pastor in churches to be that honest and to put themselves out there. And that it's like, if you really wanted followership and a higher level of celebrity, you would do that just from a business point of view. Right. But then, but then it's the same, it's the same trap. Oh, for sure. It's the same trap. I agree. I'm going to be vulnerable in really cool ways. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Right. I'm going to be vulnerable with how lonely I am. I'm going to be vulnerable 
you know, I mean, and so, I mean, the whole thing just becomes, if you're not careful, just a bunch of play acting. Yeah. You know, even even the 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 tortured artist uh, can just be another <laughs> freaking example of that. Yeah. And so our hearts are endless in their ability, right, to 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 play act. And and I and I, you know, I, I'm I'm chief of sinners, and that's why I come down so hard against it. Is because I've I've participated in it. I've lived that. And I hate it, and it feels it feels like selling Jesus out, and it, and it feels like it has nothing true and right and good to offer the world in those instances. And so, um, so let's wrap it up on that. There's there's an interesting book. Uh, a fellow by the name of Larry Osborne um, wrote a book called Accidental Pharisees, and the subtitle is Avoiding Pride, Exclusivity, and the Dangers and the Other Dangers of Overzealous Faith. And um, it really was an interesting, interesting read. I picked it up this week. And uh, and there were some things he said that I thought was um, that I thought were really, really good. So uh, if you're interested in kind of more uh, of some of this, this is a good, quick, really popular, easy read. I'll put a link up on the there, on the post. Yeah. There's yeah. some there there's some deeper. Uh, kind of takes on this, um, particularly around the, the the idea of spiritual abuse. There are a couple of really sort of um, significant books that were written in the last, oh, I don't know, maybe 30 years that kind of identified this and some of the things to look for. But it all goes back to what Jesus was doing, right? That the human heart has not changed. We've gotten more sophisticated. We've gotten, you know, more technologically savvy, but we still, I mean, how many people you know, they, they, they go do something and then they have to post about it, you know, and it's beautiful, but they have to post about it. Well, would Jesus, would Jesus warn those people? Hey, if, uh, if your missions trip, if you have to post on your missions trip, then truly you have your reward. You know, if you have to post about how generous you are, truly you have your reward. I mean, isn't that the same sort of thing? So, so it's just, it's just this endless knot of of motivation and that's why it's so hard to focus internally and so easy to focus externally right because i'm a mess of mixed motivations and and god's so beautiful and jesus is so beautiful he deals with even with that mm-hmm. and accepts even that what mm-hmm. were you going to say no i'm saying and the the crisis too is cultures encouraging the that whole idea you know like if I'm not posting enough of good stuff, well, then I'm not keeping up with all my other friends who are posting images of great stuff. Like, oh, look at the trip they went on. Look where they're at. Well, I, get, I need to do more of that. And then I need to post it. So then I'm in that same circle and, and, and oh get goodness. that extended affirmation. So I read, a, I read an article last night um, while I was watching my Cleveland Cavaliers destroy the Warriors. And the world was back, back to where it should be. Um it uh the title of it it was on the washingtonpost.com and it was um it was what it's like uh to grow up in the age of likes lols and longing and so they followed a 13 year old and her online uh, habits and practices and it it was um it was this one of the saddest things I'd ever read because, you know, when you're 13 and it wasn't that long ago for me, you know, it's maybe eight or nine years ago. <laughs> so I'm fresh with this. 
Um, you know, I mean, man, you're super, super insecure. You're super in need of validation by your peers. And, um, and, and I cannot imagine what it would have been like to have been basing my esteem, my sense of worth and meaning and place in the world on the basis of my friends' reactions to my social media posts. So this 13 year old, she, um, it's, it's, <laughs> it, it's unbelievable. So she, she, um, it's the, 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 the zillions of ways that you can embarrass yourself on Snapchat by, you know, how many snaps you've done or not done, or, or, you know, she'll, she'll post something on Instagram and if it doesn't get a certain number of likes, she'll take it down because obviously your friends didn't approve of it. Her birthday is spent waiting for birthday, you know, pictures. Yeah. Um, on Instagram and, and it's, and you, and, and I, I sit and I go, I go on the one hand, I get it because I'm young enough to, to have, you know, lived through my space and, and when AOL first came up and, and Friendster oh, and your melodramatic account, a what melodramatic, I don't even know what that is. Oh yeah. That was another no, like, early man. social media. No, no, Friendster. no, dude. You don't even know. You, know, you don't know what I've lived through. Bro, were you on Zanga? Do you even know Zanga? What is that? It was like the Asian culture social media when Friendster was out. Well, of course. Yeah. Of course I was on it. <laughs> I know. I, I don't have any idea. What's friend? I don't even know what Friendster is. Oh, then you haven't lived through it. So so I remember MySpace. I remember that. Friendster was pre-MySpace. Oh, yeah. I got nothing. Right. I got nothing from right. Friendster. And, and then what was the music... What was the music service that that started the Napster? Yes, uh-huh. I remember Napster. Mm-hmm. That was see, I've lived a lot of life ah. for my twenty two years. <laughs> but but so so on the one hand, I get it because you know obviously we're posting, um, we're posting podcasts and people react and you want great engagement and you want to be well known because what you believe in what you're doing and what you're saying. And so, man, I'm totally sympathetic to it. And on the other hand, my son is 12 and my daughter's 11. And I'm like, this is, this is, this is the world (laughs) that, that your friends reactions to social media posts. That's that, that's, that defines your, that defines your place in the world. And, um, and so, so I was, you know, in in terms of the impulse to sanitize, in terms in terms of the impulse to just just put your best foot forward, even if it's your vulnerable foot, right? Whatever's going to get the most attention. It, it's such a deadly it's such a deadly space, and no more deadly for pastors, right? Who, as purveyors of grace, as purveyors of truth and gospel and God's love. Man, it's so easy. We, there was a, a very significant figure who just got um, removed for from from his ministry in St. Louis for inappropriate, and I, they didn't say physically. It was just inappropriate meetings or callings with two ladies, and for building his sense of self and ministry uh, on on social media. Mm. And and I went, oh my goodness. I mean, that's that's the temptation of our heart. So. All of this hypocrisy stuff, it's so easy to point at the older 
um, the practitioners maybe of the 1950s kind of style Christianity, but, but it's gotten more insidious since, you know, with, with the ways in which we're invited and our, our world rewards. Yeah. It, it seems like there's more traps than ever now. Yes. So as always, like us, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> follow us, please follow share us on Twitter, share the podcast, please. <laughs> our, our, my worth today. All right, this is Thursday. Uh, this will come out Monday. I am going to check every five minutes to see how many plays, how many likes, how many comments we get. Retweets. Retweets. The whole thing. Um, even if you've left a review on iTunes, do it again under a different name. Um, and, and I will determine whether or not I will have a good day by your reaction. Hey, I got banned on Reddit on the Christians forum. What? For posting our show. Why? Because you just were unauthorized. They have some outrageous fence. That's like a nine to one ratio of like self promotion to conversation. Mm. And I, and I was like, how I was using the podcast as a solution for other people. Hey, check this out. This might be helpful. Oh, that's funny. (laughs) And they banned me. Yes. From the Christians. Well, because you're self promoting (laughs) Andy. So you fallen, you fallen in. It's not the Andy Laura podcast. Yeah. But you know what? It's becoming that people are, people are, it, Seismic Mike, I thought would take off, and it's got nothing. <laughs> All right, so um, we're going to wrap up this show. Uh, as always, we're very, very grateful for you. We really are. And um, and if you are overseas, we hear from many of you around the world. If you are my brother, hello, who was listening in Sacramento. Um, and uh, you know, the nice thing about my brother is um, he gives me lots of likes and uh and and uh text messages that are encouraging so even if all of you abandon me he never will um uh anything else we need to say hey we got this church going yeah oh you want to talk about that oh so um nah they can go on www.voxoc.com if they really want to find out yep so um so let's do a little blessing what should we do andy what should we do Nope, I got it. I got it. All right, sing your song. This is the blessing today. <clears throat> this is the blessing today, right? So atheists, you can embrace this. Um, uh, uh, Christians, you can embrace this. Skeptics, you can embrace this. Here it is. We are holy. Holy, holy, holy. holy. I'm high on loving you. Ooh. High on loving, loving you. you. That I hope. I hope no one... Uh, has an accident <laughs> i would i would hear that and drive my car into a tree right <laughs> or or pee my pants either way um I- until next time brothers and sisters go grab a wookie mask and uh go laugh in your car bye thanks for listening to vox the mike Geary podcast be sure to like mike on facebook at facebook.com forward slash official mike Geary. follow mike on twitter and periscope at mike Geary for live interaction and ongoing q a Don't forget to visit SubversiveKingdom.com for further engagement and information about life.